0: Hello everyone, Jennifer here again, and this is episode 2 out of 5 in the series of mental illnesses. As episode 1 previously disclosed, I will be continuing these segments focusing on avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, also known as ARFID. To quickly recap on ARFID as a whole, it is an eating disorder, and it's rather new and rare. It's most common in infants to adolescents. ARFID is an eating disorder that goes beyond being just a picky eater. It's an eating disorder where there is an avoidance of food or restriction of food. It's mostly due to sensitivity to the sensory aspects of food, such as the smell, color, or the feeling. It may also be due to a fear of aversive consequences from the food, such as choking or vomiting. To begin, I think I'll talk about the social-cultural factors that can impact and jumpstart the development of ARFID. I think culture is a very broad topic and it's interesting how it can be brought into this eating disorder i think that different cultures in general have certain pressures i guess you can say an article by the eating recovery center organization in colorado discusses how cultural pressures to eat clean pure or healthy can influence food intake and even food beliefs also there's an increased interest in food processing sourcing and packing and the environmental impact there is that can influence eating disorders in general. As a Hispanic woman, I can personally say that even the culture that we're born in can influence the way we behave, think, and feel about foods. I was no doubt a picky eater as a child, and sometimes I still can be, and more often than not, I remember I was mistreated by some family members for not eating specific foods. For example, I used to hate rice and beans because I really just disliked the texture of it in my mouth and I just simply didn't enjoy it. And certain family members would even yell at me and call me names for not touching the food when it was given to me. I remember I was called ungrateful and other names simply for not enjoying that specific food. Now, I did grow out of that phase and eventually did begin to eat rice and beans, and other foods as my palate matured but I can't imagine what it must be like for individuals that really do have this disorder and cannot willfully eat certain foods. Moreover, a study included in the Journal of the Canadian Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry explains that there is extensive literature that highlights the pervasive stigma troubling the acceptance of mental health diagnosis And the search for mental health services. Also, certain cultural values may contribute to an individual's hesitation to accept a mental health diagnosis and even to seek treatment. Personally, I really believe that an individual needs to take themselves out of the perspective of their culture if this specific culture's viewpoints are emotionally damaging the individual. From a personal standpoint, I've learned to detach myself from the aspects of my culture that I think are not beneficial to me or to my mental health. And it's important to realize and take that step when necessary, even if it may be difficult or not easy to begin with and to start with. Anyway, now moving on to the second viewpoint of this episode. Other than the social cultural factors, there are psychological factors that can contribute to the development of ARFID as well as be involved in ARFID as a whole. Not just society and culture, but one's own psychology can lead one to eating disorders and other disturbances. The Eating Recovery Center organization explains on their website that oftentimes anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorder symptoms can accompany eating disorders as do co-occurring mood and anxiety disorders. I think that a person that suffers from avoidant restrictive food intake disorder may have difficulties when at a social event, I think. I think that intense anxiety can begin when out socially and you know when there's anticipation on what food may or may not be available to them. Also, similarly, they may even avoid social gatherings and events in general due to not being able to be around certain foods that are probably going to be there, or assuming that their quote-unquote safe foods won't be available. I think it's important to note that a picky eater probably would have little to no problem going to a social event in terms of the food, because a picky eater would probably, you know, not be anxiety-driven at that event. You know, a person with ARFID would suffer way larger and complicated problems for it. Realizing that ARFID is a disorder, an eating disorder, and not just a choice, is valuable for the healing of the individual suffering from it. It's important to... Be kind, be gentle, understanding, and sort of imagine yourself in their shoes of the person suffering from an eating disorder and understand that it's not an easy thing to deal with and I don't think anybody wants to have an eating disorder and as humans, as neighbors, as friends, as classmates, co-workers, it's just important to be kind and understanding. I think that both theories on this eating disorder are valid, there's no right or wrong viewpoint as a cause for ARFID still isn't even known, as it isn't either known for other eating disorders. There are many more viewpoints and theories of avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, like biological factors for example, but I think the sociocultural and psychological factors were most interesting to learn about and discuss unbiasedly. I've really enjoyed adding this knowledge to my brain and being a bit more educated on eating disorders and ARFID as a whole. Still, I remain open to more learning and remaining kind through it all. Thank you all for tuning in and hearing me out. This is the end of episode 2 out of 5 on the series of mental illnesses. See you guys on the next one.